Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is the Ontolog Invited Speaker Presentation. Uh, it's Thursday, March the 6th, year 2008, and today we have Professor Dr. Asuman Dojek and Dr. Yalin Yarimagan from the Middle East Technical University at Ankara, Turkey with us. Uh, their talk is entitled, Semantic Support for Electronic Business Document Interoperability. Uh, before we go into the presentation, uh, let me introduce our speakers. Uh, professor Dr. Asuman Dojak is a full professor of the Department of Computer Engineering at the Middle East Technical University and the founding director of their Software Research Development Center. Her current research interests include uh, interoperability, semantic web, internet computing, e-business, and e-health. She is actively working in several European Commission-sponsored projects in e-health and e-business, and uh, Professor Dojak has received numerous awards, uh, including like the IBM Award, US, uh, U.S. Faculty Award in 2004, and she is the recipient of several local awards in Turkey, including the Mustafa Pala Science Award in the year 2000. Uh, Dr. Yalin Yarimagan is a, a PhD from Department of Computer Engineering at the same university, uh, that's uh, Middle East Technical University, and his research interests include semantic web, description logics, e-business, and distributed systems. And uh, Dr. Yarimagan also has a Master of Science in Computer Engineering from MDTU. So, uh, without further ado, uh, I will call upon our speakers to start. So, uh, we are on slide number one now. So, uh, go ahead, no Jack. Uh, okay, I would uh, like to start uh, by, uh, by thanking you for providing us the opportunity and I would also uh, like to add that this work is uh, supported by the European Commission uh, through the ISERF project. Next slide, please. Uh, the, our work is uh, motivated by the following uh, observation. Uh, there, there is a research roadmap produced by the uh, European Commission providing the vision uh, for, uh, for enterprise interoperability and over there uh, is interoperability service utility ISO has been defined. The ultimate goal is to have uh, interoperability uh, like a, a utility service like electricity power. And an important part of this uh, interoperability service utility is, of course, the, uh, by the services exchange business documents, the content has to be uh, interoperable, that is, has to be understandable by the receiving application. Uh, we are taking this problem, again, as I have said, within the scope of the ISERF uh, project. 
Slide number two, next slide, please. So uh, the outline of uh, our talk is as follows. First of all, we are going to provide a brief overview of the electronic business document standards, and uh, we will talk about the uh, core component technical specification again very briefly, and then we're going to describe the semantic tools that we have. Uh, developed and uh, this includes to, uh, the use of ontologies for semantic connotation and ontology alignment and translation and we're going to describe the system architecture and operation. Uh, this work is uh, realized within the uh, scope of DICER project but it is also realized as the PhD work of uh, Dr. Yolan Yerman who defended his thesis just yesterday and obtained his uh, PhD. Yolan has given me the privilege to present his work. Slide uh, number four. Slide. Uh, okay, um, the, the companies, the enterprises were doing electronic business, as we all know, even before the invention of the Internet, but, and they were relying on private networks on, and on EDI technology, but with the invention of uh, uh, Internet and XML, business uh, documents uh, has gone through an evolution, and this uh, the dynamic needs of the current uh, businesses also affected this uh, evolution. Uh, but the recent observation, uh, and it is the following, no document standard is sufficient for all purposes, because the industries, the companies, the regions, uh, their requirements significantly differ. Slide number five, next slide, please. Okay, uh, if you look at the terrain right now, we see that there are several vertical standards like electronic for electronics industry, physics for chemical industry, open specifications for the treatment industry, and HR7 for the healthcare industry. And also there are horizontal standards like OIG standards, GS1, ECOM, HCDN, UN Sepulchral Component Library and UBS. Uh, we have done a survey of uh, UN CTTS based standards and we have investigated these standards according to their document design principles, the use of codes, the use of XML namespaces, and how the standards handle extractability and customization. This work is available from our website, and uh, with the next few slides, I will give a very brief overview of uh, this survey just to give a flavor of the problem we are facing. Slide number six, next slide, please. Uh, 
and your cycle component technical specification is really, in our opinion, is an important landmark in providing interoperability. The reason is that uh, the ultimate aim of businesses is to exchange documents without any prior agreement related to the document syntax and semantics. And the European Commission's view of interoperability service utility will be achieved at the content level in this way. So the documents uh, have to uh, adapt to different contexts, be extensible and customizable. UNC CTS approach can be uh, considered uh, roughly as divide and conquer. Next slide, slide seven, please. So right now I'm going to very briefly present UNSEPAC uh, CTS. Uh, approach. Slide eight. Next slide, please. Um, well, the main philosophy on the CCTS approach is that they design reusable building blocks called co-components, and these are uh, syntax independent and these are context independent. The whole idea is that these can be and should be customized to special, uh, customized to different contexts, contexts, and these context uh, sets, eight of them, have been provided again by UN Park. Uh, in this way, uh, when the core component is, um, first of all, the components are Co-components are available for, will be available from a single library. And these will be uh, adapted to different contexts and the documents will be formed by using these components that are uh, adapted or customized to certain contexts. Next slide, slide 9, please. This uh, slide gives the uh, uh, context uh, categories that UNSEPAC has designed. Slide 10, please. Next slide. Uh, and what happens is that in this way, the business documents are composed of several uh, basic and aggregate components, which are in turn made up of uh, core components, and this it can go on recursively. And uh, the standard components are, as I have already said, and I'm suggesting, uh, modified or customized in response to contextual needs. And uh, but these components need to be both core components and the customized components uh, need to be discovered to be reused. Next slide, slide 11, please. So, uh, the reason that uh, CCTS is important is, uh, in our opinion, comes from the fact that it applies a divide and conquer approach 
And the incompatibility in electronic documents in this way becomes incremental rather than wholesale. And uh, the users can uh, get the core components and customize them to their needs with well-defined rules. And uh, if, uh, if there are no components that a user can use, the user can define them. And in this way, the horizontal interoperability among the different industries will be facilitated. Slide 12, next slide, please. Uh, a number of uh, standard bodies have uh, accepted UN CTPS approach, and uh, of course, UN CEPAS, first of all, themselves developed a core component library. There are several components uh, uh, in this library, and also your universal business language, UBN, is the first implementation of CTPS uh, technology in XML. OHS and GS4 XML are also using CCDS approach, but the thing is that they all use it differently. Next slide, slide 13, please. Uh, this is just a, a snapshot of uh, some of the components from the component library. Next slide, slide 14, I believe. Okay. Um, this slide briefly introduces UBI. Uh, as I have already said, it's the first implementation of CCTS uh, specification in XML, and it has designed a number of business document schemas, a number of reusable entities. Next slide, slide 15, please. Uh, well, the thing is that um, when UBN uh, started, the UBN components uh, have not been defined yet. So UBN started with business information entities. I did not go into details. Uh, these are available from the survey paper. But uh, they have based uh, their business information entities on uh, XCBN uh, and EDIPA. And uh, on the other hand, for example, OHS has been developing uh, document standards for a long time, and they have uh, adapted CCTS to their documents. So it's just one XML. But as you see on the slide, there are several um, discrepancies among the document schemas. Uh, different structures, different codes, different element names and uh, positions. So the interoperability has not been achieved yet. Next slide, please. So, how, <coughs> uh, excuse me, how can we achieve interoperability? Either it is standard should be better harmonized, and there's an effort in this direction by the main standard bodies like International Electrotechnical Commission, the International 
organization of standardization ISO and the International Telecommunication Union, ITU, and uh, the United Nations Economic Commission for, Commission for Europe. They have signed a memorandum of understanding uh, in the year 2000, but up to now, uh, origin uh, 9.0 and 2.0 have achieved a level of harmonization. They are based on the same set of unqualified data types and co-components, but the harmonization needs to be extended to the upper level artifacts. These standards are still developing, uh, and so we may see more harmonization in the future, but we may also follow uh, attempt at least another path where we can try to provide tools for semantic, uh, to support semantic interoperability. Next slide, slide 17, please. So within the scope of the research project and within the scope of the PhD thesis, we developed tools uh, to do the following. First of all, we had provided machine processable semantics for the context domain. And then we developed tools to utilize this semantics for automating the discovery, reuse, and customization of components and document schemas. And additionally, we have tried a semantic-based translation mechanism to translate documents from one document uh, standard into another. In fact, we did this in the scope of this work only in the UBM document, but uh, in the future we also would like to attempt uh, to translate the document between so, right now I would like to <coughs> introduce you to the semantic tools that we have developed. Next slide, slide 19, please. So, <coughs> uh, as I have already mentioned, the eight context categories have already been defined by events and uh, there are specific coordinates and classification schemes economies that are being utilized by the document standards. And uh, there could be further uh, classification available in the future. Uh, I would like to quote from an email I have written down to the forum by Brian Nicole. Uh, he mentioned that even when the CTTS group decided to limit the context qualifiers set to eight context aspects, they still had an almost infinite explosion of context. If you took eight singular context and had only 300 enumerated values for each one, the number is so large no one group could ever possibly meet all the combinations in a lifetime without computers. This was his observation. Next slide, slide 20, please. So what we did is the following. We, take, we took the existing taxonomy classification. We, through, we developed tools to convert them 
into our representation. In this way, it will become machine processable because if you take an object or a taxonomy, it is not machine processable. Uh, and also, we were able to define the uh, relationships between different classifications formally and with the help of reasoners, we were able to deduce more uh, relationships among them, the implicit ones, that we could we were able to use uh, for our purposes. Next slide, slide 21, please. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, there was animation on this slide, but there is no animation over here. Okay. Um, uh, let us take North American Investigate Navigation System. Over here, uh, you can see uh, that uh, the COP23 corresponds to construction. It has a number of subclasses underneath it. And if you were able to see the figure, you will see that there is a hierarchy over here. When you turn this hierarchy, then you define this hierarchy in OVAL, the class subclass, that is subsumption relationship, becomes machine processable. In this taxonomy, it is not machine processable. But if you convert it, we have tools to do that into an ontology. That subsumption relation becomes machine processable. Next slide, slide 22, please. Uh, let me give you an, an, an idea uh, of the context-based, the effect of context-based factorization. Assume that we have a core component. We may wish to customize it to U.S. and to Japan, and also we may wish to uh, customize it to a certain product domain like shoe in the Japan context and in the U.S. context. But the thing is that the shoe, these two uh, components, since they talk about the same product, uh, needs to be, needs to be able to communicate. Next slide, slide 23, please. So, when a uh, component is uh, uh, customized for a, in a, for a class in the context hierarchy, they become applicable for all the subclasses. For example, if item is, uh, uh, is customized for computer equipment and peripheral classes in, a, in an ontology, it is, in a context ontology, it becomes applicable for all the subclasses. Similarly, if an item is customized to software context, it becomes available for all the context domains, which is a subclass of software such as database software or multimedia software. Next slide, slide 24, please. Uh, 
So what is the is the following? We develop a tool to convert the classification of chromosomes that exist on the uh, that are available on the web through ontologies. We did this for geopolitical context. We did this for industrial classification context. For example, for very North American industrial classification system, the top three uh, shows its hierarchy. Uh, the second uh, hierarchy is for uh, NACE, uh, economic activities in the European community. And the third key is for uh, ISIC, this is International Standard Industrial Classification. So if you see, these uh, taxonomies have uh, hundreds of classes. We use these ontology classes to update the customized document components. It should be noted that this is in addition to defining element values through properties. Next slide, slide 25, please. Uh, let's talk about the use of ontologies for financial location and ontology alignment. Next slide, slide 26, please. So, for example, let us take uh, the North American uh, industry classification, system classification, and let us assume that an, a, a component item is customized for manufacturing uh, context, then it becomes applicable to all subclasses in this context ontology. Of course, if there are uh, the item is specialized in the lower level, uh, level subclasses, that overrides. Next slide, slide 27 is. Uh, now, as I have told you, we have uh, gathered the taxonomies from the web, converted them into ontologies, in the other uh, language, and then we have aligned ontologies. Uh, for example, in this slide, uh, you see the NICE and International Standard Industrial uh, Classification uh, hierarchy. When we say that class 33, manufacturing in NICE, is an equivalent class for ISIC uh, manufacturing class, then when we customize an item for manufacturing in NICE, and when we say this, uh, that these two context classes are equivalent, that item uh, becomes uh, become customized for the ISIC uh, context, manufacturing context too. Uh, next slide, please. Ah, okay. For example, I'm sorry. Slide 27, back. Uh, for example, if we define, uh, if we uh, allocate an item with uh, ISIC C, uh, 300C uh, context, and if we say that this class is equivalent to Medic 3364 
uh, context class, then that item uh, also becomes customized for the next context show. Next slide, slide 28, please. So, uh, we generate a context ontology for each context category. And for example, for industry classification, we take different taxonomies, convert them over, perform environment, generate one industrial classification context ontology, Apply reasoning and find insert industrial classification context ontology. Next slide, slide 39, please. Uh, in this way, a joint ontology for each kind of context category is created. This imports all the ontologies relevant to that particular category. Additional ontologies can be added without taking the existing one, and uh, a lot of specifications of correspondence between different ontologies. The thing is that ontology alignment is not archived. That is, which class is equivalent to which class. Which class in one ontology is equivalent to which class in another ontology. This is this should be done by the domain experts. Our work focuses on how such correspondences can be exploited. Well, they are specified. Next slide, slide 30, please. Uh, in order to align ontologies, uh, we have defined a number of uh, oval constructs. For example, equivalence to denote that Nays forty-five construction class is equivalent to nice twenty-three construction class. Or, for example, uh, a class may be equivalent to the union of two classes. For example, nice agriculture, forest fishing, and hunting class is the union of ICIC agriculture, hunting, and forestry, and ICIC fishing class. And also. Uh, a class may be a context class in one ontology may be a subset of a context class in another ontology. For example, may uh, mining and quarrying of energy producing materials uh, is, uh, uh, in fact, Mike's oil and gas extraction is a subset of maize mining, grain, and energy producing materials. Next slide, slide 31, please. So right now, I would like to show you the effect of ontology alignment operations on the generated inferred ontology. Uh, if you see in this slide, uh, the equivalent classes I mean, you see, when these, uh, when these uh, environment operations are defined, the resulting ontology turn out to be, have them, turn out to have more than one parent, and this is the customization, discovery, yield, and customization, as I will explain. Next slide, slide 32, please. 
Okay. What we do in the following, uh, we annotate the uh, components with context classes, like uh, like an ontology created from make. And then we define all equivalences among the ontologies for a context category, and then we give this to a reasoner and obtain the insert ontology. Uh, this provides us uh, the following. Uh, ah. Uh, when a component is customized for a context, we create meta metadata. Uh, this metadata expresses which standard component this component is derived from and the context which it is applicable to. When a custom version of the component is required for a specific context, we discover the component metadata and uh, find up the applicable version. When the document schema is needed to be customized for a specific context, the component metadata is queried, the custom versions are gathered, and those versions are replaced by the original component. I will give an example next slide, slide 33, please. First, let me uh, illustrate how we have defined the component metadata. As I have already mentioned, the uh, component metadata is defined first to refer to the to denote which uh, UBA, which original component this component is derived from, and also the context applicable context class. Next slide, slide 34, please. Uh, okay, let us assume that we have a product classification context, and uh, there is a component validity period which uh, is annotated with the con context drugs and pharmaceuticals pharmaceutical product, and also uh, an, uh, an item is annotated, specialized to a complex antibiotic. In another ontology, um, which is the industrial classification context, uh, an item um, is uh, specialized to manufacturing context. So, when we are uh, looking for an item for the antibiotic context, uh, the corresponding item is item A. If we are looking for a, an item for cardiovascular drug context, the item is, since there is no item defined for this particular context, the superclasses uh, are checked, and there are none in this particular cluster, plus the original component is used. And uh, for the limit period for antibiotic context, this is already defined. 
but if you are looking for an item that is uh, for antibiotics manufacturing contact, in this in this case, we need to merge the uh, item defined for antibiotics and item defined for manufacturing. Next slide, slide 25, please. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, now, uh, how do we do component discovery and merging? Uh, let us take a look at figure one. If there are no customized components in the parent classes, the original standard component is used. If there is a customized component applicable to a parent context, for example, for class B, A class C1, this is this version is applicable to context B. And if there are customized components applicable to multiple parent context classes, as you see in figure G, C3 is for class A and C2 is for class A and C3 is or class B, then the context applicable to class B is generated by merging the components C1 and C3. Next slide, slide 36, please. Of course, uh, uh, for a more uh, complicated, uh, for a more complex hierarchy, how the components need to be merged uh, will change. As an example, as you see over here, the, uh, for context class C, J, the components C1, C2, C2, and C3 must be merged. Next slide, slide 37, please. Uh, now, let's go back to our previous example. Assume we wish to customize a catalog to antibiotic manufacturing. And assume the customized components, basically the item A and item M, are already available, as I have already explained. And the customized catalog contains the components, basically B and a merged version of item A and item M. Next slide, slide 38, please. So, in fact, government implemented um, a prototype system, and this prototype system, as I will mention uh, towards the end of my talk, has a component merge service. So, when uh, there are multiple custom versions of a component, the component merge service uh, generates a combined version. Uh, for this purpose, uh, deviation operations are extracted from individual versions and extracted deviations are successively added to the base version, applied to the base version. The resulting component is a very specialization of all versions 
in terms of UBI validation. In the next slide, I will present an example. Uh, for example, let us assume that this slide has also animation. Okay. No, let us assume that in the original component, uh, the description has uh, the following uh, cardinality constraint. It is zero, it, uh, its cardinality should be zero or one. Brand name has a cardinality constraint of zero and to infinity, and origin country has a cardinality constraint of zero and one. This is the original component. Let us assume that we have a custom component one, where uh, the customization rule, the customization rule is the brand name should be between one and infinity, and uh, the origin of country is between zero and zero. That is, the original country is practically removed. And we have another custom component which has uh, restricted the brand name from zero to five and introduced a new element ID. Uh, the cardinality constraint is between zero and one. Now. In order to obtain the merge component, uh, we take the original component and apply the cardinality uh, constraint. If the cardinality constraint has a valid um, intersection, and as a result of this, uh, merge component. Uh, as shown in this figure, is obtained. If animation in the slide were available, this would have, uh, this would be more clear. Next slide, slide 40, please. Now, when you merge uh, the uh, component, uh, this may result in uh, redundancy because custom versions may contain the same extension and custom versions may contain structurally different yet semantically similar extensions. Uh, for this purpose, we eliminate the redundancy. For this purpose, we use UDI component ontology, which I will describe later. Slide 41, next slide, please. Uh, for example, in this figure, uh, assume that we have uh, merged true and chain to obtain four, but as you can see, the person and individual uh, elements are uh, duplicate, and uh, one, uh, it would be better to remove one of them, and uh, uh, the algorithm, the system that even developed, has removed one of them. Next slide, slide 42, please. So, I would like to right now describe document translation. Slide 43, please. 
so why do we need to do document translation? Because and we have already mentioned the businesses um, work in different contexts and they have different customization needs um, and I mean the current situation as I have already mentioned in the beginning of my talk is that vertical industries have developed their own standards like physics in chemical industry, HR in healthcare industry, open travel alliance in tourism industry, but these industries also need to communicate with each other. So we describe um, a way to translate the document from one document Standard uh, to another, but currently our work is limited to UBI uh, documents because we use and develop a component ontology. It is based on UBI document structuring uh, semantics and slide for technologies. Next slide. Okay, so uh, as I have already explained, in, uh, in different, for example, in manufacturing context, in a vertical industry context, the, uh, the companies may be using standard documents, but they also need to talk to one another. And uh, there may be times that a translation mechanism may help. Uh, and uh, our efforts are in this direction. Slide 45. Next slide, please. So uh, we have developed a semantic translation mechanism. For this purpose, we uh, developed the UBI component ontology to describe the structure and semantics of components in UBL. And this component ontology is processed by reasons to compute the relationship between components. And these relationships are interpreted to adapt to contact between different schemas. Next slide, slide 46, please. So, first of all, let's take a look at UBL. Uh, components, uh, for example, there is, uh, here is the UBI schema. There is, a, there is the order element, which is a sequence of uh, aggregate. The order is an aggregate, aggregate uh, element uh, referring to other elements, and also there are some uh, simple data types and complex data types. Next slide, slide 47, please. Uh, what Jan did is he developed a component ontology to describe all the basic components in a UBI document and the relationships among them. 
next slide, slide 47, please, 48, please. And he did this by defining the relationship between these classes to existential restriction. Next slide, slide 49, please. Uh, for example, here, uh, an order type, any other type that has a third element relationship with issue date and buyer and seller party and order line is order type and this is uh, expressed uh, with the expression here at the top. And any element declaration that has a present concept relationship with order concept and look type relationship with order type is an order. And any basic type that has an extend basic type relationship with uh, name type uh, is a family name type. Next slide, slide 15. So, let us take two document schemas. I mean, if you, as a human, when you take a look at it, you immediately see that order and customer order are similar because uh, of their structure, structure and also because of their semantics. Because we know the um, Semantic equivalent, we can, we as humans can process the semantic equivalent of first name and uh, name and their structure. But uh, there are aim in this work was to describe these um, similarities, to, to deduce these similarities by using the component ontology. Next slide, slide 51, please. So, you see in this slide two different documents. Email, one is order, the other is customer order. Order is described through the expressions from one to eight, and customer order is defined through the expressions from nine to sixteen, and then uh, by using these expressions, it is possible the system automatically computes the equivalences to find out that the customer order and order customer orders are uh, equivalent and translatable. Next slide, slide 52, please. So, in computing the uh, translation, Equivalent relationship between component ontology classes is an indication of structural and semantic similarity between these corresponding components. It is possible to translate content between such components. On the other hand, class-subclass relationship between component ontology classes is an indication that corresponding components are semantically similar and structurally similar. It is possible to translate all content from human components to the other, but some of the content cannot be translated back. Next, next slide, slide 53. Now I would like to very briefly mention the system architecture and operation. Next slide, slide 54, please. 
So, um, this is, first of all, there is this knowledge-based layer. Knowledge-based layer contains the context ontology metadata, a component metadata, UDI component ontology, and a component repository. And in the, in the service layer, we have component registry service to register the components to the system, the component discovery service, which utilizes the context ontology, inferred context ontology, and there is the document schema customization service, and the component merge service, as I have already explained, and the document translation service. All these services accept knowledge base through reasoning layer, and also we have some tools like complex ontology institution tool, extension component definition tool, component customization tool, schema customization tool, and document translation tool. Next slide, slide 55, please. Uh, the component registry service maintains knowledge-based constructs like component repository, component metadata, and component ontology. Next slide, slide 56. Uh, component service, even the multiple custom versions of the component, generates a combined version. Uh, the derivation operations, extensions, and restrictions are extracted from individual versions, and these extracted derivations are successively applied, as I have already demonstrated. Uh, the resulting component, the resulting merged component, is a very specialization of the uh, merged version, in, merged version in terms of the derivation. Next slide, slide 5017. So, what the document translation service does is the following. When the document translation service is provided with a uh, document to be translated uh, to the carbon context, first <coughs> it finds the uh, original UBI component, and then it uses the component ontology class uh, representing that component, and then uh, the component ontology class acting for the target context is computing. For this purpose, as I have already mentioned, the system classes are checked, and then subclasses are checked, and finally superclasses are checked. If an applicable component can, can be computed, the corresponding element is added to the target document, but if you cannot com uh, compute a target component, then the original element is added in the UBI extension part of the document. Next slide, slide 58, please. So, uh, given the uh, UBI catalog schema in the upper part of the screen, uh, our tools are able to produce the schema given 
in the lower part of the screen by using the tools that we have developed. And the next slide, slide 59, shows out of the schema in XML. In XML. Next slide, slide 63. I would like to right now present you the conclusion. Next slide, slide 61, please. Uh, well, um, we have developed context ontologies by using existing taxonomies, and we have annotated components by using classes from these context ontologies, and we have developed inferred ontologies from different uh, aligned ontologies, and we have used this for discovery, reuse, and customization of components. And we have developed a component ontology to represent the structure and semantics of components. And we have utilized this ontology for the computation of synthetic between components. And we have used this for uh, translation purposes. And uh, we developed a concrete implementation for the tools that we have mentioned. And slide 62, please. Next slide. Thank you very much for your attention. Your questions, please. And yes. Well, thank you very much, Professor Tojak and, and uh, Dr. Yalin Yarumagan. Uh, so we come to the question and answer segment of the session. Uh, first of all, uh, we already have quite a few questions on the uh, chat session. As you can see, I'm bringing up that screen. But in the meantime, I would also like to ask everyone to sort of start lining up uh if they have questions uh, by pressing a 1-1 one, one on their keypad. So if you have questions, uh, please press a 1-1 one, one on the keypad uh, now so that we can sort of go through people uh, one at a time since this has to be done serially. So uh, please, if you have a question uh, that you would like to voice or remark, uh, please press a 1-1 one, one now. Okay. Uh, again, when you're recognized, then uh, please press a star 3 to unmute your line, uh, test your voice first, and then introduce yourself, and then either ask your questions or make your remark. Okay. While we are doing that, uh, let us try to pull up the uh, questions that are already lined up during the uh, uh, during the uh, uh, talk uh, from the chat session. Uh, I have. Uh, People, a few people with their hands up. Johan Mustafa, uh, one person made a remark about sound quality. Uh, we apologize uh, since uh, the, the professor and 
Dr. Yarmagan has been calling in through Skype from Turkey into the uh, U.S. And then I assume the rest, some of uh, you are getting the uh, voice feed from Sri Lanka to uh, the Netherlands uh, to, of course, different parts of the United States. Uh, I think uh, we have been lucky to get this kind of quality. Uh, the session is being recorded. Actually, after the pro post-processing, uh, the sound quality may improve a little. So please bear with us. Uh, but all in all, I think it's quite intelligible. So uh, let, let's ask Johan first. Is He has his hand up, I think, since the beginning of the, this session. Johan, uh, do you have a question? Because I did not see, uh, maybe you did, uh, you did type uh, something up. You want to start first, uh, Johan, by pressing a star three and then speak up? Uh, hello, Jim? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, but you have to speak uh, quite a bit louder or point to some typed up question you already have. Either way. Oh, no, sorry. I want to say this is a little mistake in the chat session. I will follow them probably up later, so I will uh, please continue to the next question. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, if we go to the next person, uh, that would be Mustafa Jara. Uh, Mustafa, again, uh, we you had a fairly uh, poor voice line a little earlier. I hope that has improved, or you might have to type out the question. Mustafa, uh, could you press a star, uh, star three, and try to speak up? No, Mustafa is typing. So let's, uh, w while Mustafa is typing, maybe I'll go on to Farouk uh, Nashmi, who has a few questions already typed out. Uh, Farouk, uh, if you would unmute your line with the star three and then start. Yes, hi, uh, this is Farouk Nashmi. How are you, someone And uh, colleagues? Yes, we can uh, hear you. Could, could you st uh, start introducing yourself first? Sure. So uh, I'm uh, uh, involved with EBXML RegRep and have had the good uh, fortune of working with uh, Asaman on uh, a profile of EBXML RegRep for OWL. Uh, one question I had, it's a fairly uh, uh, easy one, is I'm confused. Is there, are there today two versions of EBXML, I'm sorry, uh, core components, uh, CCTS spec, one in Oasis and one in UNC fact, or is there, in fact, a merged combined one CCTS spec? Uh, there is only one, Farouk. Uh, uh, it is, uh, it is called Okay. Thanks. Maybe I can also sort of uh, throw in a little background. Uh, actually, the original EBXML CCTS was, was uh, jointly developed by UNC FACT and OASIS uh, back in uh, probably like year 2000 or maybe 
one or two years before that. Uh, it was a joint effort be, be, before sort of the, uh, Oasis returned back to their uh, work. I mean, I, I was involved in the UBL development, and, and uh, by that time, they had already sort of uh, completed the CCTS development. So, Baruch, you had a few other questions uh, about maybe... Uh, yeah, the other one was, uh, uh, I was wondering if uh, your project is, uh, 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 you know, what, what it's using for the registry and repository component. Uh, I know that in the past it was based on uh, an EVXML regrep implementation. Is that still the case? Uh, well, uh, part of... Uh, I know that we would expect an EBXML registry repository uh, approach that we use, but uh, that was what I recommended to Yogan when he started his work. But he uh, went into the way of uh, using the knowledge base. Uh, so, but of course, everything we did is uh, so that because if we use the history and repository, because as you have already mentioned, we have developed a profile for EDXML uh, registry to store uh, ontologies in the registry and also to do some limited, of, uh, limited amount of reasoning by using C libraries. Thank you very much. Okay, along this line, I actually have a question for Professor Dojak. Uh, you, you, I mean, you probably realize that there are two parallel efforts going on, uh, revolving around the open ontology repository. Uh, one uh, under the auspices of the NIST uh, Ontolog uh, Anchor uh, Ontology Summit 2008 initiative, and the other is a working group called OOR uh, that is trying, actually trying to develop. A, an implementation of some open ontology repository, whether it's sort of a single location or whether it's a, a federated organization, and that that would come uh, later as the working team develops. And we are developing sort of and trying to get people and early adopters to come up and uh, help define what the requirements are and the expectations. Do you see your ontology uh, being hosted in such a, an open repository whereby it could be persistently stored and accessible uh, by the rest of the world? And if you, if you do, uh, it would be nice, I mean, the fact that you've already developed something like that, that you probably have some... Uh, Requirements in mind, or some expectations, if if a a repository like that would uh, uh, would be implemented. What uh, do you well, see is the, the role of an open ontology repository? Well, it would it would be great, and we can uh, for sure uh, provide the uh, infer the com aligned ontology that we have developed. Oh, 
Yeah, that 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 would be wonderful. Uh, actually, we are developing uh, I mean, as of yesterday. I mean, the, the teams did meet, and we are going to have two sessions, two panel sessions. One on March twenty seventh, and one on April third. Uh, for people who who are who may be early adopters of the Open Ontology Repository to sit on the panel or join us at that uh, session to sort of throw around the requirements. I would definitely look forward to to your joining us uh, one way or the other. Uh, I would try to contact you offline after after the session and hope uh, you and your team may, may be able to join us. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Let's communicate offline. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I note Note that uh, Mustafa has uh, already typed out his question, and I, I will read it here. Uh, he said, "Sorry, he cannot talk. He, he actually he can talk, but, but his line is kind of jumbled." So his question is: As I, uh, I, I, I I'll speak on his behalf. He said, "As I understood, especially from the examples, you mainly focus on matching, translating, and aligning between types of things." Uh, i.e. concepts. Uh, for example, ABC colon manufacturing equal, uh, is equivalent to XYZ manufacturing or ABC catalog supplier equivalent to XYZ uh, provider party. Question one is, how about translating between instances of concepts? For example, how to know that ABC uh, colon Zuman Dojek is the same thing or same individual or same person as XYZ colon uh, Dojek uh, comma A uh, stop and how to deal with such a situation. Uh, so you want to maybe address this first yes. question? Yes. Um, let me give my answer and then I will give it to you. I if you want to add something. Well, we define uh, when we uh, he, uh, Mustafa is right. Uh, we are aligning the ontology classes, but we are later using the alignment at the instance level to translate document instances or to find instance uh, component instances. But we are not doing the following. We are not uh, extracting knowledge in an automated way. So I I don't know whether I was clear, but we are, we are not trying to find out by looking at instances whether some, an instance is similar to another instance, but we are using uh, uh, components that are ontologically annotated, uh, but we are using the inferred relationships for discovery, customization, and translation purposes, but this is on the instance layer level. Okay. Uh, Hi everyone, this is Yami uh, and I hope my voice is clear. And in, in addition to Professor Blight's points, uh, maybe a few additions, uh, the, the scope of our translation is uh, translating different content between different schemas conforming to 
uh, different contexts. So in that sense, our translation does not change the content, the actual content, like in the, in the example of the question, it doesn't change Osman Bosch to Bosch Osman, but rather uh, the purpose is to translate content from one uh, schema element, like uh, catalog supplier to a different schema element, so a UBL component in this case, for instance, providing a party. And uh, in our UBL component ontology, uh, the, the, the idea behind our UBL component ontology is to write uh, class definitions so that through reasoning we can compute relationships between different classes, which uh, later on we use as indication of similarities between different components. But in that sense, we don't use uh, instance, I mean, ontology instances, we just have class definitions. I, I hope that makes it a bit more clear. Thank you. Uh, so let, let's move on to the second question. Uh, Mustafa asks, I mean, any comment on Sparkle, uh, the LDF uh, query language, and how it can help to translate between concepts and instances? Uh, comments? from uh, the speakers? Well, uh, uh, well, about the Sparkle, it may be used, of course, I mean, for certain aspects, but in our work, uh, we didn't, we didn't, to be honest, we're not that much familiar with the nature, so, uh, not so much of a comment. Different again. Okay, thank you. And uh, question number three: uh, Don't you think that aligning instances are harder, uh, mostly the case in practice, then uh, harder than concepts? Hi, this is Yudrakavak. I hope my voice is clear. As you may know, that the reasoners have three jobs: the concept, the question. Checking and infer ontology generation and instance classification. However, the instance classification is too slow. Therefore, we did not use that faculty of ontology reasoning. We only used the near inferred hierarchical classification. For industrial purposes. Yes. We wanted to develop something that may be of use to the industry. So we were very careful about how the reasoner is performing. I mean, uh, there are work that we have not described, that we have tried, but the reasoner was very slow, so we gave up with it. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, next uh, person who has his hand up is uh, Ravi Sharma. And so, if Ravi, you can press star three to unmute your line and test your voice. Uh, uh, you <coughs> Thank you, Peter. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Uh, could you introduce yourself? All right. Um, thank you, Professor. I'm Ravi Sharma. I am uh, a newcomer to this uh, forum, just a few months old. 
but I tremendously enjoyed your presentation. I have two questions, uh, which are indirectly asked in the chat session, but I will summarize them. Uh, first is relating to process execution. If you kindly remember how EBXML early versions were, we were executing a well-defined process such as order, order acknowledgement, order execution, payment, in a business process context. Each, each step requiring a unique documentation which was understood contextually and executed. So uh, I see that here we are going much more enriched in terms of components that carry with them the relationships and obviously they are not symmetrical always so they are not uh, possible to be carried in terms of merged components sometimes. So how do you take care of the relationship alignment in merged components, even if the context is matched? Sharma, uh, we couldn't hear your voice, so we're going to read it from the chat room and we try to respond to you, okay? All right, and second question was, um, process execution is possibly not covered today, right? You are covering documents. No, we're document. not, uh, we're, sorry, we're not covering uh, transport layer or business process layer for the fact that UBI is defined independent of the transport layer and independent, okay. Independent of the business processes, but we have to be careful. UBI considers the business processes in defining the components, but business process definition is not a part of UBI. There is an effort started by Timakras, but uh, it, is, uh, it is not advanced yet. Uh, you, it is called UPT. Uh, perhaps I can also exchange email with you on this subject. Uh, okay, but I can read it from the chat room, so let me read it and try to respond to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Okay, and, and thank you, Ravi. Uh, one more solicitation, if uh, anyone has a question, uh, you could either raise your hand on the chat board or raise your hand by pressing a 1-1 one, one on your keypad. In the meantime, uh, let me sort of go back to the beginning when this session was first uh, 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 realized. Uh, Professor Dojak was proposing some standards uh, development uh, organization for possible, uh, possibly maybe uh, starting a an Oasis TC or something like that uh, for document interoperability standards. Uh, so maybe uh, Professor Dojak, you want to uh, talk a little bit about that or uh, tell us uh, what you think at this point on on that possibility. Uh, well, yes, uh, uh, we, as uh, 
I have tried to explain uh, there are several different document uh, standards, and even uh, when they try to apply uh, the UN CEPAS or EDXML CCTS, the resulting documents are still not interoperable. And one approach might be maybe harmonization, and there are efforts in that in that direction. But as an alternative, we may try to provide a standard approach, a standard semantic approach, uh, which can be directly used by the industry. Uh, to provide uh, document uh, interoperability. And if there are interests, uh, we can try such a uh, technical committee. Yes, I, I think that would be a, a great idea. In fact, I mean, this would give me a good segue to introduce what is coming up on next Thursday on the Ontolog Forum. In fact, we had invited uh, Jamie Clark uh, from from the Oasis, the standard, Director of Standards Development from Oasis to join us. He will be talking uh, about the how Oasis standards or Oasis technical committees are formed and talk about some of the potential uh, semantics-related uh, technical committees that might be luring uh, looking around the corner. Uh, this, well, what Professor Dojak had proposed, I think, is a great idea. And from some initial email exchanges there, we have interest from uh, Tim McGraw uh, from Australia. Uh, Tim was the, uh, uh, is the UBL content subcommittee chair, and then I, I, I believe uh, there is interest from uh, our friends in Italy who has also been developing some uh, uh, UBL ontology, right, uh, Suman? So, yes. yes, so so I welcome everyone uh, who has joined us this session to continue and call in next Thursday, I mean, to see how this could progress and possibly drive the formation of a new uh, technical committee on electronic document uh, interoperability, which I think would be a great idea. So uh, I now see one hand up uh, from Johan. Again, uh, Johan, if you unmute your line with a star three, uh, Please speak up. Hello, Professor. Thank you for your uh, first discussion. I'm from the Center of E-Government and Future. Thank you for your, for your presentation. You specifically mentioned the industrial document in the game. I would like uh, thank the first and Actually, 
opportunity to extend this proposal for the technical committee. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you very much, Johan. Uh, we caught, I mean, at least for me, I caught only about maybe 30 or 40 percent of what you said, but, but thank you for the remark. And if you would kindly type that out and put that on the session, that gets captured into the uh, proceedings of today's session. All right. Uh, one more round of requests for anyone who has comments or uh, further remarks to make. If not, then on behalf of the Ontolog community, let's thank uh, Professor Dojak and Dr. Yarimagan again uh, for a wonderful presentation and for sharing their insights and experience on this really huge amount of work that had, they had undergone in trying to build uh, electronic business document interoperability through the use of uh, semantics uh, and, and, and the UBL ontology. Thank you very much. And thank, we thank you for providing us the opportunity. Yeah. And thanks to everyone for joining us today, and we look forward to having you again next Thursday. Bye-bye.